Hi and welcome to Make Space for Nature from Nature Scott, the podcast that celebrates Scotland's nature and landscapes. I'm Kirsten Guthrie and in each episode I, along with my co-presenters and guests, will help you connect with and protect our amazing natural world. In this episode, Tim Hancock and I chat to Kevin Lafferty, the Chief Executive of Paths for All. The charity, supported by Nature Scott and other partners, works hard to get everyone in Scotland to be active every day. From maintaining paths and training volunteers to providing local health walks for all, we hear about the charity's important work and how you can get involved. Hi Kevin, welcome to the Make Space for Nature podcast. Thanks for joining us. How are you today? I'm very well, Kirsten. Yes, uh, the sun is shining outside. We've got some blue skies and I even managed to get my lunchtime walk in today. So yeah, all is well with me. Brilliant. That's fantastic. Good to hear. So you work with um, the Scottish charity Paths for All. Um, could you tell us just a bit about Paths for All and the kind of work that they do, please? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Paths for All is Scotland's national walking charity. You know, and our aim is to tackle physical inactivity, poor mental health and transport inequalities, Kirsten. And we've had a key focus on both the climate emergency and nature emergency as well over the last uh, couple of years. And we like to promote a walking society. Uh, we want to have more safe spaces that are attractive for walking and wheeling. And we, walk with, we work with a wide range of uh, partners to achieve that. Uh, and I suppose in a sense what we're really about is trying to get more people physically active. We hear it all the time, don't we, that walking is so good for us. It's uh, good for our mental health, our physical health. It's, you know, reduces climate change and, and it's free as well. And this obviously became really important to many during lockdown. And, and we've had um, recent surveys uh, into our kind of behaviour during lockdown. And, and, you know, we're all spending more time outdoors than before the pandemic. How has that um, impacted on, on your work? And have you, have you seen these trends continue as we're emerging from restrictions? Are people still getting out? Um, and, and walking as much, do you think? They, they certainly are. And I think, you know, during the pandemic, what we really witnessed was that walking became really fundamental for people in terms of maintaining, you know, their own mental health and staying connected. Uh, so we've probably seen more footfall over the last couple of years than we've ever seen in the past. Uh, and lots of people actually, for the first time, visiting what's on their doorstep. So using those local paths and those local trails and actually getting to know their neighbourhoods and the places where they live and work a lot better. So in a sense, I think that was transformative. And a lot of people, I'm very glad to say, are, are maintaining that type of behaviour. I mean, I think there's still work to be done because the, the challenge is, is that as some people return to the office or return to this hybrid or mixed working, can we maintain these levels of uh, activity and can we make sure that walking's part of our everyday lives? So, I mean, from a personal perspective, I certainly know during the lockdowns that walking helped me to maintain, you know, positive mood and a positive outlook. And it also gave us a chance just to slow down and press the pause button and for the first time, uh, you know, since I was a child, I had an opportunity to watch the change in the seasons, you know, from that spring into the, 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 the sort of early spring flowers coming through, you know, and then actually seeing the change as uh, the trees come into leaf, as the meadows and the fields begin to lush up and become green. 
And really that was transformative for a lot of people. The silence as well, with less noise on our streets and on our roads, a chance just to connect back to nature and to think about things that are really important in life. And I think for all of us, it's the simple things that make us happy. And walking is one of the things that makes us really happy. And in particular, if we're walking with people, you know, friends and family, or our neighbours or our work colleagues, but also getting a chance just to kind of, uh, you know, take a break, get outside, recharge, get some sunlight, get some vitamin D, uh, and, you know, and walking really is uh, sort of Mother Nature's natural medicine. And I think what I'm really keen and what, you know, paths for all is Scotland's National Walking Charity. Our ambition is to get more people walking everywhere, every day. And, and in a sense, you know, I think the last two years have really helped a lot of people to reconnect and re-engage with uh, physical activity. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And you know, personally, even even for myself, working from home, it's funny as you said, take a break. I, I've got a wee WhatsApp group that I've started with my neighbours just to make sure we all get we all get that break in the day. You know, even if it's just 10, 20 minutes just along the local path, it's uh, it's so important. And I, I think some people just don't feel. You know, you you almost need to make that part of your day, don't you, to make you feel get you re-energised for the the afternoon or whatever. Um, and did you see any um, negative impacts from increased use of paths during lockdown, and especially, I mean. I don't know if maybe path maintenance, volunteering projects, these kind of things were maybe put on hold. Did you see any any negative uh, side of things at all? Yeah, I mean, I think there are some challenges. And, and one of the challenges is, is because we've had so many people out actually walking, wheeling and cycling, that there's been more footfall on the path. So there's been more, uh, I suppose, erosion. Uh, and there's been uh, maybe a slight uh, reduction in the quality of some of the surfaces. Uh, and I think what, what that's highlighted to me is, you know, the, the importance and the need for us to maintain and to invest in paths and trails and our streetscapes. So the places where we walk, the places where we move from A to B to get to the school, to go to the shops, actually to get out and visit our family or friends or to go to work. It's about maintaining those paths and trails. And certainly what I have seen is that there's, you know, similar to the challenge we have more widely with uh, with maintaining and investing, we've got a lag. I think we really need to look at improving the path and trail network because what that does is it encourages more people to use it where there's a good user experience. But, you know, I think me personally in the paths around where I live and uh, I've seen a lot of erosion, a lot of washout and actually there's a need for that sort of investment and, and actually making our paths more resilient and, 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 and also taking into consideration the sort of more severe episodes we're seeing of weather, heavy rain, some of the storms which do cause that sort of, uh, you know, that washout, that erosion. So, so I think what we're aware of is that, you know, the paths are a vital sort of network, uh, connect communities, but we need to maintain the standards of those paths. And we know that some of the networks are not as inclusive or as accessible for everyone as they could be. And from my own experience, you know, when I still had my dad with me, he was in a wheelchair, Kirsten, and I used to take him out quite often. 
And that's when you soon realise the sort of barriers there are with uh, curves and raised surfaces and with crossfalls. And really about, you know, if we can make paths and trails accessible and, you know, really take into consideration how some people uh, will experience those barriers, I think we make it easier for everyone. So the more accessible our paths are, the better the experience is for everyone and the more chance there is of more people actually using them on a, on a regular basis. So let's make the paths fit for our grannies and if we can make the paths fit for our grannies, we make them fit for everybody. And you know, that's an old saying that I've heard many times in the outdoor and recreation sector. And it, it really is, uh, I think, it, you know, it's true. Uh, you know, we have to think about everybody and the paths have to be accessible, you know, no matter what age or what fitness level we have, if we want more people to use them every day. So Paths for All, we launched our new Step It Up strategy uh, on the 25th of January and, and that strategy really is to tackle physical inactivity uh, and we're working really hard as Scotland's national walking charity you know to promote physical activity and to really make sure that walking is central to the way people respond to the, the challenges that we have in society. So we want walking to be the natural choice for short daily journeys for everyone. And again, regardless of who they are or where they live, and we want to create more opportunities, you know, to walk for everyday purposes, for leisure or to get from, from A to B. So that strategy uh, is available to view online and we have a short, uh, obviously supporting video that just gives you a quick snapshot uh, summary. But a couple of facts I think is really interesting for some of your listeners to be aware of that 70% of all trips involve walking. So nearly all of us are walkers or wheelers. And walking is also the majority mode of transport. So whether we're traveling by bus or train or by the car, we tend to find that walking is always one part or one component at the start or the end of those journeys. And we're working hard to make sure that more of our towns and our cities and our communities are more walkable. And that the majority of us actually think about walking for short trips. And I think this is important, both in terms of the climate emergency and the nature emergency. Think twice before you pick up the keys to jump into the car and really think, can I just put the shoes and the jacket on if it's the local shop or if it's just going to the school? Do I really need to use the car for this? Can I actually travel actively and would that be better for me physically and would it be better for the environment? And I think that's important and that's a message we all need to be mindful of. Uh, if we want to look after nature and if we want to protect the climate, we all have to start making these small daily changes. And, you know, transport, uh, in terms of the hierarchy, you know, pedestrians uh, should be number one. And I think... You know, we're working closely with Nature Scott in a whole number of ways and to support both nature connection programmes, but also to support work around uh, path grading and really looking at accessibility and improving the path networks that we have and uh, about training people. And we have our national path demonstration site at Oatridge, uh, and that's a site that helps professionals working in the sector and gives them you know, the latest information in terms of uh, treatments and uh, standards and just some of the site furniture we can move. Kevin, can I check if 
if there are more people out using and enjoying the the parts especially in their their local areas um, who might want to get involved in any kinds of volunteering or, or work to be done to to um, maintain that resilience or or um, fix any damage is are there opportunities for them to do that there, there certainly is uh, opportunities, and I think one of the things we've seen is a real increase in micro-volunteering. So there's been an interest in trying to uh, maintain and look after the paths and, uh, I suppose, the trails that are on people's doorsteps. And there's a number of volunteers and community groups right across Scotland who've wanted to get their uh, hands dirty and get advice and some recommendations about what they can do just to improve the paths that they love and the paths that they use on a regular basis. So uh, there's very simple things, you know, about redressing a path surface, about mowing or maintaining the edge. It's also about cutting down overhanging branches uh, and just keeping good sight lines and good uh, visibility. So the, the micro-volunteering has been a real sort of... Uh, program that's uh, resonated with people and there's been a lot of people who've signed up and started to participate and you know our community paths team have been leading a lot of this work in terms of ideas and really good suggestions through blogs and through some of our e-bulletins about what you can do to help in terms of your local area and small things that we can do when we're out and about. So even litter picking, for example, simple things that we can do when we're out in our daily walk, which will help other people and the idea of picking up, taking away rubbish and also just looking at, you know, small things. If there's a, you know, windblow or other things which have disrupted or came over a path, you know, can a small group of volunteers get out and do some maintenance or our path maintenance days have been really popular uh, and what that allows is someone who's got experience of managing and maintaining paths to share their knowledge and expertise with the community and then those volunteers take that and they sort of then share that knowledge and expertise with other people and it sort of has a ripple effect and that's really valuable and it doesn't cost anything it's really people just giving back their time and and uh, we've found that there's been a lot of inquiry and interest in terms of what can people do to help with the climate emergency and what can people do to help with the nature emergency. And especially when people are out walking, that's a sort of win-win opportunity if there's small things and we give them good ideas and suggestions. We've even got some backpacks that have you know, a range of small hand tools so it, there's, there's practical things that's happening right across Scotland at a community level to make a difference and give something back. I love that. I really like the term micro-volunteering. It, you know, we've got our Make Space for Nature campaign and we're always encouraging volunteering, citizens and science um, and, you know, really helping out in your local area. Um, so I think the term micro-volunteering is, is such a a great description of what people can do. And I know you've got a, a campaign, Walking with Nature, um, and it was highly commended in the Nature of Scotland Awards, so well done to everybody involved with that. Can you tell us a bit more about that campaign and, and the, the five pathways to nature connectedness? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think for a lot of people, again, looking back over the last couple of years, it's been a challenging time for all of us. And I think that opportunity to go out and actually connect with nature has really helped a lot of people to, you know, to cope. And it's helped a lot of people to get through a very difficult period in time. And 
very simple things that we were able to do and, and talk about as you're walking. For example, you know, just looking at our our senses and using our senses a little bit more so we can listen to the bird song, we can listen to the sounds in nature, the wind blowing in the grass, uh, the buzzing of uh, bees, you know, and really just that sort of experience of what's happening, what's going on outside. And also, you know, the smells uh, and the tastes, how, how we touch and how we experience with our hands. So the leaves or the grass or the flowers, that soft, the aromas that come up, you know, from any of the meadows or the wildflowers. Uh, getting people to pause and to think about, you know, I'm not just trying to walk through nature as quickly as I can and, and get as many steps as I can. It's really about how can I benefit my mental health as well as my physical health by really trying to slow down and to get into my body and to use the senses to reconnect with the natural environment. So the nature connectedness has a lot of science and research behind it. And we know, for example, if we spend up to you know, a small amount of time, 15 to 20 minutes in green space, our blood pressure reduces and our heart rate slows down. And actually, it becomes a bit more of an immersive experience. We recover from mental fatigue and it gives us a chance to de-stress and to recharge. So walking and nature connectedness, you get this sort of double benefit almost, you know, of actually physically and mentally yeah, coming away feeling better. And the nature connectedness, you know, there's a lot of really good examples of simple things that we can do in a daily basis. And you can bring this back into the home and you can use it with the family as well. So some of the examples we were using were really about when, you know, when lots of us had the children at home as well, how did you entertain the children? Well, you go out and you talk about the noises that we've heard, the the types of uh, plant life and grasses and materials that we've picked up and the animals or the insects that we've seen are spotted. So the Nature Connectedness program is really quite wide and varied, uh, but it's very simple. It's about using our senses and being mindful and being aware of what is around us. And there's a whole range of uh, suggestions and materials that we have on our website at Paths for All. And we have some really good blogs uh, that give you some suggestions and connections about how you can entertain yourself, but also entertain your family and some of the young ones to, to reconnect and get them, you know, to think about what's happening in the natural world. I really like that. So I think we had a, a previous guest on this podcast as well who recommended um, to everybody to uh, get a five-year-old to take you on a nature walk and help you spot all the things that, that we as adults take for granted and maybe walk straight past. Um, so it sounds like it's it's a nice way of, of really trying to approach this, not just as a as a thing to do on your own for, for mental health benefits, but a nice thing to do as, as a family or as a group. Is that is that something you'd recommend? Yes, absolutely. And, and we do find that, you know, this kind of multi-generational walking was one of the things that we've seen uh, kind of flourish and pick up during the, the lockdowns that... You know, how do you take all of that energy that a lot of the children have when they can't use it in the playground and they're not at school with their friends? And then how do you translate that back to a really a fun and engaging walk where actually you're connecting with, uh, you know, the local green space? And, and certainly for me, what I witnessed was a lot of children for the first time actually going pond dipping 
getting their hands and feet dirty and finding out about, you know, frog spawn, looking for newts and actually finding insects. And for some of these young people, you know, that that hadn't been an experience they had uh, went through before, so it was it was a rel- you know it was a, it was a bit of a revelation for them actually what's what's on your doorstep a couple of hundred meters from your house if you go out and go into those woods or into that green space just what's lurking below the surface when you turn a stone and actually you see you see what's what's happening and and for the parents as well I think what was really important is that they get a chance to sort of be active and just decompress, you know, the challenge of trying to work and support your children to learn during the the pandemic has really been quite full on for a lot of people. And I think the suggestions that we were making as part of that nature connectedness gave a lot of families just a bit of respite and an opportunity to do something that was fun and engaging. And, you know, what I'm really glad to say is actually that interest hasn't waned, it hasn't slowed down. I think there's been renewed interest in terms of well what more can we do and you know what are the simple types of activities and simple types of uh, suggestions that will help give us ideas that we can share with family and friends so so yeah lots of interesting activities happening during walks and it's you know not just about heading as quickly as you can from a to b that that nature connectedness is about immersive slowing down and really thinking you know in a slightly different way coming out of the head and coming into the body to benefit ourselves i love that that that's what the the wellies all the little ones have got are, are for to to get into those muddy puddles in the on the wet weather as well not just when it's a nice sunny day and how difficult have you found it to to encourage people to get out in these cold winter months especially now that we've still got a, a couple of dark cold months ahead and, and, and ones where people often do have a lot of problems with um, mental health in, in February and March. Have you found that more of a challenge as far as encouraging the public to get outdoors as opposed to on a, a nice sunny day in the middle of the year? I think one of the things that we've really learned over the last couple of years is that there's been some people who've maintained their physical activity and their walking behaviour And there's been other people who have felt more isolated and more cut off. Uh, And I think that's been uh, an inequality that's been clearly highlighted by the pandemic. Depending on where you live and whether or not you were sheltering or you had any other long-term health conditions, for some people, you know, that basically... uh, the opportunity was reduced through the pandemic and they became more housebound or more restricted in their movement. So there's been winners and losers in relation to this last two years. And what it's really highlighted is the importance of us having good uh, places and good safe spaces for people to be active everywhere. And it's okay if you, you know, maybe if you live in the more uh, lush uh, parts of our cities like Morningside and Edinburgh or you know, in the west end of Glasgow. But if you live in the east end of Glasgow or if you live in some of the more uh, deprived communities, the quality of the paths, the quality of the green infrastructure and green space is not the same. And also that creates a physical barrier uh, and also a a barrier in terms of perception or perceived uh, risk. And I think the challenges certainly came, you know, to the front that we need to reduce these barriers and, and increase the opportunity for for everybody. And similar, you know, to go back to your original question, I think in the winter time, 
It can always be more difficult when we have the challenging weather and the shorter days, but that's when it's really more important than ever to get out during the daylight hours, you know, because we know that uh, one of the challenges we have in Scotland is that we don't have as much sunlight as other parts of Europe. And if we don't have that, we don't get the vitamin D and that vitamin D can affect our mood and it can affect basically how we feel. So the seasonal adjustment disorder that a number of people do suffer from becomes very prevalent. And one of the solutions to that is about getting out at lunchtime and getting out and walking for 20 or 30 minutes and just exposing your hands or your face to the natural sunlight. And that gives yourself a chance to develop that vitamin D and just to boost your physical and mental well-being. So some of this is really, you know, quite common sense, but not everybody's had the opportunity or has been able to benefit from getting out on a regular basis. So, so what we need to do in the future is to make sure that we try and support and encourage and enable as many people as possible to get those benefits. Uh, and in particular, when we come into the winter months, about really trying to reinforce that, that the benefits that we will get by going outdoors and even for a short period of time, 10, 15, 20 minutes. It's really beneficial. And there are quite a lot of um, kind of like health walks, isn't there? Um, there's information on your website about be that um, people living with dementia or cancer, um, you know, parents with, you know, wanting to go on a buggy walk. There are actually quite a lot of resources and, and organised walks that people can, can become part of and maybe that would help them uh, to overcome some of these barriers as well. We have a, a national, you know, right across Scotland, we have a national programme of health walks and we've had more inquiries and more interest over the last two years than we've ever had in the past uh, and in particular during the periods when we were in lockdown, when we were able to reopen, we had a, a you know like a three hundred percent increase in the number of hits and inquiries about how could I join a local health walk and how can I become connected with people in my local community. So, and we've also you know as a charity we've delivered uh, a sixty percent increase in training over the last two years because there's. People right across Scotland, from the islands to the highlands, you know, right up to Aberdeenshire, down to the Galloways, more people have actually tried to get themselves active and, and actually to change their behaviours. Uh, and in particular, with more people working from home, we're not getting that kind of walk or that cycle as part of our daily commute. So how do we get out during the day and actually, you know, stay active and walking is probably the, the first choice and the easiest thing for us to do. We don't need a lot of specialised equipment. We just get a nice pair of comfortable shoes on. We put on a warm waterproof jacket and out we go. So in a sense, I think for the first time, many people have got into a, a routine of walking. And what we want to do as Scotland's national walking charity is to ensure that they maintain that behaviour and we do everything we can to support them. But there is a whole network of volunteer walk leaders across Scotland. We have over 650 health walks running every week in Scotland. And we have, uh, you know, lots of opportunities for people to engage and to start. So you don't have to worry about your fitness level. You don't have to worry about your body shape. You don't have to worry about your age. It's really inclusive and welcoming. And actually, if you're not part of a health walk just now and it's something you'd like to do, I'd really encourage you to go on to Pass for All website 
and really to get connected and get started. And we have lots of people right across Scotland who are there to help and really to, to, to welcome you and make you part of that local health walk. Uh, and the Scotland's Health Walk Network, that's that network of uh, walk leaders. That's grown substantially in the last couple of years. So we're, we're, we're seeing more people than ever uh, interested in walking and participating and actually volunteering as well. So in a sense, if there's anyone listening today who are, who are not connected or not part then, and you want to be, then the opportunity is there. So just uh, go online, Google us and find out and you can get lots of information on our website. You can follow us on Twitter and you can also uh, get a lot of really good information and materials to support you. And, and you know, one of the things which I also think is really powerful for, for some of our uh, communities and people living with long-term conditions, we have a lot of uh, strength and flexibility, strength and balance materials that you can use at home. So even if you're restricted and you're not able, because you're sheltering or for whatever other reason, you're not able to join a health walk, you can become more active in your own home and you can use some of these materials and some of the short videos that we have just to improve your balance, improve your strength. Simple exercises, even five simple exercises we can do each day in the home that will help improve our fitness and help us maintain our independence and mobility. Fantastic. Yep, I definitely encourage everybody to go onto your website. There's so much information and resources there. And um, just from your own personal um, perspective, is there certain ways that you like to make space for nature in in your life? Is there any kind of top tips as to to how you would encourage people to you know get outdoors more? Yeah, I mean, I think the really simple message is just to do it. You know, not to overthink it. And actually, regardless of what the weather's like, uh, we all know that in Scotland we get four seasons in one day and it may be raining, it may be even snowing, but within 10 or 15 minutes the weather changes and you can catch the blue sky, you can get that sunshine on your skin. So don't be put off by the weather. I think the weather is so changeable in Scotland that every day has a window of nice weather. And the more time that you spend outdoors, I think the more you realise this, that actually uh, the weather is not the barrier. It tends to be ourselves, just get, getting ourselves over the threshold, just committing to put the jacket on, to put the shoes on and to head out. And the behaviour change programmes are really show and indicate that if we can change our behaviour and we can maintain that you know, for about six months or beyond, then we're likely to carry that on longer term. And we have, for the workplace, we have the Step Count Challenge, which is great fun. That can get a little bit of the sort of, uh, you know, the banter going and the challenge between colleagues about, well, how many steps did you do today? And how far have you walked? And uh, does that equate out to, you know, as a group, as, as one team competing and doing more than another. So depending on what motivates you and what uh, you engage with, there's a range of tools and techniques uh, that you can, you can learn about and use to get yourself more physically active. And then finally, just to say a few words about Paths for All Expert Lecture Series. This year, we just completed our uh, three lectures and the three lectures followed the themes within our new Step It Up strategy. These uh, lectures are available to view online. If you haven't uh, had the opportunity to participate, you can get some of that 
uh, inspiration and uh, information on, on Pastoral website. Uh, and I think look out and watch this space for next year's uh, lecture series. Thank you so much for, for coming on, Kevin, and, and for the work that you and your team do. I think wherever we live in Scotland, everybody's probably benefited from it, especially during this pandemic. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Make Space for Nature, we'd really appreciate if you could give it a follow in your podcast app and leave a review or a rating. We'd also love it if you could tell just one other person about it. If you'd like to find out more about how you can connect with and help protect Scotland's natural world, go to nature.scot.